0: Was in middle school actually in the state of north carolina the bus drivers could be high schoolers and so the high schoolers would drive the buses to go pick up the kids elementary middle school junior high really and take them to schools and it worked out with their schedule because then they could drop everybody off and then get the classes at high school by the time it started
1: This is the big story. Thanks for listening. Well, New York City was a fun, quick trip. (laughs) It's been a long time there. It is my absolute favorite place to go to get away. There are so many people around that it doesn't matter. You can just be out, do your thing, and nobody cares. Once I got back, went straight to the writing desk and head down at the keyboard all week. It's been a deep dive every day into the background and meaning of every aspect of this novel. And I've made some huge breakthroughs. Also, things for the uh, comic book that I'm working on are really shaping up. I've uh, found some interesting angles and flows to tie in with the artist's initial ideas. And I think I can make it really fun I should be able to share some details in the next month or two. This week's guest is Kelly Yates. Kelly is a designer, an illustrator, and a writer. And he started making comics in the 90s. I remember him back when he was palling around with the people at Artemis Studios. And when I started going back to shows in the last few years, it's been great to connect with him and find all our mutual friends and touch points so um, I intended to have him on the show a few months ago but he wanted to wait till his Kickstarter was up and it went up on Friday uh, for uh, Amber Adams is sort of a trade collection but kind of a standalone story. It's a really kind of a cool sci-fi jetpack. Flash Gordon, Tale, and in just, what, four days, he's now $400 shy of funding. It's an amazing start to his campaign, and it just seems like it's stretch goal city from here on. If you're into fun comic books, you should definitely check this one out. So this is me with Kelly Yates. You launched the Kickstarter, Kelly. I'm just going to dive right in here and then we'll work our way around stuff. Sure. So that that's – so I've done one – I have been involved in a few Kickstarters, but I have only sort of done one comic book Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. And it's a full-time job.
0: Oh, boy, is it. Oh, boy, is it. So, well, you know, I've seen so many other – yeah, so I launched my first – create our own, uh, Kickstarter this past Friday, February 17th. Um, and the idea behind it is, is I want, it's called Amber Adams. It's basically kind of a female Flash Gordon and it was originally published by image comics in 2008. And we can circle back to talk a little bit more about that later, but so the Kickstarter in particular, you know, seeing all these people having success and failures, like where people had fallen through the cracks, like, Oh, well they really kind of messed up here and where, where people were having successes. Like how are they having those successes? even were, when they were not a mainstream person I'd maybe never heard of. It was like, wow, how are they mm-hmm. getting $20,000 or whatever whatever they're asking for? So I was kind of like um, really kind of in, impressed with how people were doing things. And so I started looking around, trying to figure out how to do it. A couple of buddies of mine had done it, uh, Craig Rousseau and uh, Todd Zegat, and done stuff Per Perhapinots and some of their books. And so I'd seen how they put them together and I still feel like I didn't have like all the information that I needed. Like how, how do you really do this? And going through Kickstarter, you see someone like, okay, well this Kickstarter page looks nice. I get it. Oh, this doesn't make sense. Um, so then I actually looked around and found this group called a uh, comics launch. It's a group that you, you know, you pay to be a part of, but I, I really will hold them up as a, a really gold standard on how to do things. crazy. a really great involved community of people. Um, Tyler, uh, James Vogel runs that group and everything uh, but just really insightful stuff really like you know um, what printers to use what printers not to use how do you how do you put together the best Kickstarter page how do you and before you even get to all that stuff you got to build an audience and mm-hmm. that's really that's one thing I'd always had missed out on when I was doing shows I've done shows since probably about the mid nineties before, before emails. And, but, but, you know, just like I try to kind of start a mailing list over the years and never really kind of gotten into jail just for my own, for my own side of not following up with it, but building a subscription list, I've got 200 dedicated people on a subscription and I, I send out an email. I don't try to bug people, but if I can send out an email, like once a month, just like, Hey, look at this cool Doctor Who thing I'm working on, or, hey, here's some something, or here's conventions I'm going to be at, or here's something yep. I'm working on. You know, I don't have to pepper them year-round with stuff, I mean, week after week. Now, I've, I've definitely stepped up leading up to the Kickstarter, but I can do more and appreciate those 200 subscribers more than if I've ever had 10,000 people subscribe. Mm-hmm. I can do more 200 people behind me then 10,000 I don't really know right so building that subscribe you call it a subscriber list but it's a, it's a family friends and social network list and, yeah and so they really taught me how to and that really helped me that helped kind of firm up kind of the foundation of your kickstarter page yeah so, uh that that's really instrumental but um just you know working through technical things with this group they've been really informative about how to pull everything together and at some point you gotta you gotta spread your wings yourself and just like okay great ideas but here's what i'm gonna do but Mm -hmm. they helped me really build the foundation um and so i just the i just had to figure out what i wanted to do and amber adams was again a book i originally done years ago that had never been collected into a trade paperback um, and I thought this would be a really good opportunity to kind of test the water with that Kickstarter.
1: That's, yeah. Well, so there's so many interesting things. The the list, you know, your supporters, that core audience is so important. Um, there is this, this has got to go back a few years, and I've said it before, but the, you only need 500 people to support the thing that you want to do like that'll 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 afford you a a good life and that's not asking a lot of money from these people it's just if you get 500 people who dig what you do to buy into what you you have you can live and that's an amazing thing because we think like we need to have tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of people but but you don't and and Getting that list that you're that you you know the sign up list at the at the conventions and like and giving people something and it's not they have to take something home with them, but the fact that you're sending them imagery or ideas or exciting information mm-hmm. they respond they're like oh i i I dig what Kelly's putting out there. Mm-hmm. I'm super excited for, for when you announced the Kickstarter, oh my gosh, this is exciting and the person I dig is excited about the thing that they're about to share with us. And I think that's super important for us to remember that it's not this popularity game where you have to have 10,000 people. It's a matter of really finding an audience that that you could talk with. If it gets bigger, congratulations. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Um, And the other one is that you said that you, you know, you, you, you asked around, you went to go talk to people to find out further information speaking to Todd or in, in this, in this um, comics launch group, like, well, we did ours. We did it sort of half-assed in some ways, but we, like, we asked people like David Papos, who's like super, been super successful on Kickstarter Mm -hmm. and now has got a great career writing for the majors and a few other people who were like, insane numbers on kickstarter like i it, and these people are amazing resources and they've really figured out the marketing and sales aspect of running a kickstarter which is a unique sales platform
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's nothing like that's existed before and you really have to kind of crack that nut
0: well, I sit there and think, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, but I think about when I was first launching my comics career, you know, there was only one way to do it. It was really either you either got picked up at Marvel or DC. Image wasn't around at first. And or if you did self-publish, you had to go through Diamond. And man, that was a whole tricky another thing because, you know, you, you couldn't just put out two thousand copies. They had minimums, like you had to put out five thousand and you know, color printing versus black and white printing and how much that was. And just, it was, it's crazy how much it's changed. So, I mean, definitely, I mean, this is such a great time. I'm glad I'm able to take advantage of it now within my lifetime. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I just think about how different it could have been 20 years ago and how it would have changed my, my career probably to some degree, you know, I mean, um, yeah, but go ahead.
1: Oh no. I, well, I, I'm just thinking like, that's the very, That's like I would say ninety plus percent of the reason why so many of our peer group didn't make their own comic books. Mm -hmm. The barrier to the barrier to entry was so high that it and it was so. I mean, it felt like some sort of arcane wisdom you had to acquire just to be able to do something like make a comic book and not do the physical work of making the comic because we got that part figured out.
0: But then there's this whole other process. But now. Right. It's well, but that was even part of the process, though, was figuring out because there was no way to know how to make comic books. Like, what's okay? Their size. When well you do it, you draw them up twice the size, and then you shrink it down. And then there's bleed, right. what are bleed. I mean, there was still this whole at that time. There's still the like the physical. How do you physically put this thing together? You know, is mm-hmm. now you go web tune and put it online, and people around the world can see it in the next six seconds. It's amazing. But, yeah. You know, we have seen so much as a society and a comic book, the creative comic book community has been amazing to see how much has changed and morphed uh, over the years. But, um, but, you know, kind of jumping back to a little bit of the subscriber list that I have, though, I know not everybody's going to be able to get a book or support the Kickstarter. I get that. But what I ask people to do is if you want to support me financially by getting my book or backing it. Great. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you can't, for whatever reason, like it's not your, your your thing, really, you're just a supporter of me. But maybe that's not your thing. You don't have any money. What whatever you have going on in your life, if you're if you support me as a creator, just share it. Just share it with mm-hmm. your family and friends or your circle because there might be somebody that is that is interested, and that helps me because you know I know we talk about numbers like you know six figure numbers, whatever. Yeah, you know, sure, Oh, money is great. I mean, who doesn't need money or want money to survive to an ex- certain extent, but I mean, just just having the ability to be creative and have an outlet for it. I mean, you know, you want you you still need to make some money to cover your creative costs. So, sure, <laughs> yeah. I mean,
1: that little that little rule in life. Yeah, no, it, it is it's super important. But you know, and, and I, you mm-hmm. know, I sound like a broken record, but we are living in the greatest period of comic book production ever, and the variety of work being offered is just unparalleled and there's a market for it people are really interested in something different something new something fun something scary like mm-hmm. scary comics are back Um, uh, romance comics are back like this is that the western is back like this is
0: great <laughs> you're you're a thousand percent right there's so many you know, when I go into my local comic book store, I mean, I'm just amazed at the different variety, and that's almost a problem too. There's almost too much stuff, in and in a way, not like I'm not complaining about there's too much stuff. No. There's there's too much stuff that I can't consume at all. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm just like, oh my gosh, I can't even get to them. I mean, just I would have a stack, you know, as high as the ceiling uh, with the stuff I want to get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's a fantastic. There's so many different, um, so many different things available now. It's it's great. It's great. I, mean, I still love my superheroes though. <laughs>
1: Well, I, yeah, no, for sure. And I think we're, it's so strange because, you know, we are living in this sort of, this is, this is, this is it. Comic books, um, film mm-hmm. and television are all so spread out now. Like, no longer do we have, you know, big studios and three networks and two publishers. There is a, a you know, a wide range of this stuff. And so you have to really seek it out. Like we you can't keep up with all the television shows and movies and comics and let alone novels out there. So we have to like become really selective in the things that we do. So it becomes much more important as people who are creating things to be engaged with the people who are reading, watching, listening to the things that are being produced, yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, that's that's the way you have to be engaged with your your group, your your Facebook group, your you know your Instagram group, whoever yeah. they might be. Absolutely, Absolutely.
1: yeah, yeah. I, it's I mean, in you know, I, sure, the romance of like sitting alone in a room and doing the thing and not have and then letting you know the publisher deal with it. Sure, that's great, but yeah. I don't know even. But I think publishers demand engagement. They're not they're not just saying, cool, we'll publish your book and right. you'll get a stream next month. They really are expecting involvement.
0: Yeah. Well I and that's kind of where it's weird where start, you start talking about corporate America too or corporations. Like they want you engaged, you know, they want you to be part of it. And and mm-hmm thing uh you know so it is kind of it's a little tricky area and everything about and I, I have to admit i don't know how true it is or how much they look at it but i get disheartened when i do hear things like you know they won't hire an artist unless they have ten thousand followers or something like that i, I don't know you yeah. know or not that is but when i hear things like so that's a that's a concern you know because we shouldn't be basing hiring people on how many followers they have on twitter or instagram where we should base them about like that's cool ass art and I want it in my book
1: yeah I and this this is something that I had seen happen in the professional photography ranks for advertising this is going maybe ten to, almost ten years back but they were they had started hiring photographers from Instagram who had like hundreds of thousands of followers for their mm-hmm. campaigns in some sort of conflated belief that those people would turn around and buy the motorcycles and the ads. Like, I don't know, like it it was a very strange idea that they were, because no no one is looking at an ad or clicking on an ad or looking, you know, going from an ad on television to a website because they think the photography was great. Cause they're not identifying a specific photographer. Like the, the message of the ad and the whole visual should all work together to, you know, the job to make you feel terrible about yourself, so you want to buy this thing. Um, but the, 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 I was talking to people on these photo shoots, and they were like, Oh, these people don't even know how to like, they don't know how to make an image. They know how to take a picture when there's a picture presenting itself to them, but they don't know how to actually like construct a photo with the team. And I suspect, don't know, I have no evidence of this, and I'm not knocking anybody um, particularly but building a fan a following base of drawings or paintings or whatever the thing you do is not the same as being a professional version of that in Mm. the publishing world because there are things like deadlines and there are there's nuances and there is staying on model and all these elements that have Mm. to take place to be able to produce something like a comic book so i would assume that that might not be a long standing rule with a publisher
0: i wouldn't i wouldn't think so but one thing I always kind of used to get me is like so alright so here's the dirty little secret that i always tell people that i have about me and like oh you know oh you draw comic books all the time that's cool man that's that's what you must do with your life I was like well that's what i do part time on the side at night when i get everybody to bed I actually have a full-time job during the day. So I work work at a place called, it used to be VF, now it's Contour. So it's basically Wrangler and Lee Jean. So I'm a senior graphic designer with them. And so I I work there. I I love working there. And that's because it it does engage me, but also provides me a way to provide for my family. Mortgage. Mm -hmm. I can take a vacation. Oh, benefits. Oh, you know, 401k, you know. Would I love to do comic books full-time? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. But the reality is I have a family to support. So yeah. I've always kind of kept that going and then kept the comic books on the side going because that's been my passion. And everybody, I don't hide that from really at work. I'm like, comic books are my passion. I just can't quite make it full-time yet right. doing it. So there's that. But one thing you to always get under my skin a little bit is, is like, not just this, but I work at ad agencies and other places I work too. It's like, we would... They would send something out to agencies in New York, like, oh, you know, well, this agency in New York, you know, they know how to do this, and I'm like, uh, really, it's just people from like me from North Carolina or Iowa or Florida or California who moved yeah. to New York. Yep, yeah. it doesn't make them better. It just means that they live in New York and they can charge you ten times the price. And I mean, more times not, because when we worked with our, our internal company, we could produce stuff so much better because we actually understood what the product was and what needed to be. And that's not to say the agencies didn't come up with great things every once in a while, but it's like I, just because they're from New York and agencies based on it does not mean that they can turn in better designs. So No,
1: absolutely. <laughs> absolutely not. And uh, though I was a long 20, uh, New Yorker for 25 years and oh. uh, you know, uh, it, it is the, the thing that they have is they have the names have cachet. So the agencies. Oh that are being hired from, you know, tier one cities, they're the ones who have, Oh, they won all these awards. They're going to con every year and getting Palm doors because they, they produce this ad and they're great and they do great work, but a lot of that can be done anywhere. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just that, yeah. So bug noted the burr, the burr, the burr in your saddle, we got it. And I can see
0: it. <laughs> no, it's only everyone's like crap. Really? No. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It's well. I mean, you know, listen. The the
1: lots of people when they hire an agency, they they're looking to try to solve a problem that they don't they haven't identified. So mm-hmm. that's where. So if they can't identify it, often somebody outside can identify it. well. Mm-hmm the internal organization understands the product and the customer far better than anyone else externally, because you live it. You understand all this stuff on a cellular basis at this point.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, But you're you're right about that too, because agencies, they do understand how to reach globally Mm. or nationally. They understand how to deliver, you know, a, a specific theme or a message like, you know, versus internal. I mean, you're right about that. I mean they they definitely know how to present or but it is the cachet of it too. Like you walk into them, mm-hmm. they have drinks all over the walls, like oh, we party after five o'clock. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's I get it. I get it. Yeah. Who doesn't want to go out to do photo shoots and hang out in photo shoots and act cool for a couple of days? I, I would it's the
1: best. It's the best. I want to go do that. I'm, See? I want to go. I do it. It's I miss it. I miss it. Yeah. Um yeah. okay, so <laughs> you i guess you know i mean we both got into the business in the 90s when we first got into the racket um what was like how did you had? i mean I, i'm i'm always fascinated how people get into it one way or the other um the, because it's you're talking this agency talk which yeah. means you have this experience did you have did you developed this experience previous to getting into comic books or after or during? How did that, like, how did you get into comics? How did you get into agency work? All right, let like, me, internal work.
0: I'll try to make this the brief story sort of. So okay. I got into comic books when I was 12 years old. I was on a road trip with my mom and grandparents, We okay. left North Carolina, and we were doing a month long trip, road trip across the U S one summer, starting in North Carolina, going South out to California and then we came back in Northern route back home. When we stopped at Yellowstone, we stopped at the lodge out there and stayed overnight. And there were no TVs in the entire lodge, nothing. And this was like, what, I guess, 84. I've been 12 years old, 84. Okay. And, um, uh, you know, this was prime MTV. Like this was me. I was like, there's no MTV, no nothing. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die out here. Nothing to watch, you know, my boom box, <laughs> in the car, whatever, but. <laughs> I went to the gift shop in the Yellowstone Lodge and they had a couple of comic books down at the bottom. And I, I got like two of them just to just to read. And I can't remember what one of them was, but the first one was um uh chris star. Uh oh yeah, yeah, it had Nightcrawler on the cover. I was like, well, what is this? You know, and I picked it up and I I was fascinated by it, you know, and I, whatever the other book was, I can't remember what it was. So then when we got back home, I heard that there's a comic book store downtown Greensboro and uh, my mom's like, well, I'll take you down there, but I'm not going in, you know, you got 10 minutes to run in and get what you get and whatever. So I went in there. I was just like, Oh my gosh. You know, it was just this comic book store with like, uh, you know, all the back, what you imagine the back wall and the old, the new books, and the old books mm-hmm. and everything. And that's where I just kind of fell in love with it, um, you know. And then I got into my college years and actually worked in a comic book store for a couple of years. Um, but in college, I was studying. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Like I said, I had that whole football background. And I was studying exercise sports science at the University of North Carolina at Greensboro. And I'm just like, gosh, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I'm not, I just couldn't quite figure it out. And I was reading these comic books. And I don't know, I was doodling a little bit on the side. And I remember this, I was doodling on the side. I was in this motor mechanics class, you know, like muscles and stuff like that. <laughs> and I'm doodling in the side. And the guy's like, Man, you ought to be an artist. And I it I'm not saying that was like the one thing that kicked me over, but it definitely started making me think a little bit more. And uh so I doodled a little bit, I doodled, and then I you know, just enough where I was total crap. I mean, you know, just you, know, you see somebody, like, oh, they need a lot of work. You know, I was that level, but I was interested in it. So I found out locally to me, there's a thing, a place called Guilford Technical Community College, a two year program. And I found out they had something called commercial art and computer, computer graphics. I'm like, well, what the heck is that? You know, OK, that sounds interesting. Um, So basically, I end up going there just to try to give it a shot. Like, let me see. Cause UNCG was just not the thing I needed to do Uh-huh. I started liking about this technical school is they started teaching how to make a living, how to actually invoice people, how to do mechanicals, how to do all this stuff. And at that time, this would be about 93, 94, something like that. They mm-hmm. had, 30 Macintosh computers in their building the most in the state of North Carolina. Nobody had that many. And it was like, this was, this is it. You know, this is the beginning. I mean, North Carolina state, nobody had this many Macintoshes. Um, But I remember sitting in my very first computer class and the guy starts talking, okay, we'll turn on computers. We're going to do this tonight and everything. I raised my hand. I'm like, how do you turn on a computer? (laughs) because I never had one in high school. I never had it. And he says, the button right here. I'm like, oh, great. And so here I am. I mean, it was a great two-year. I got a two-year degree. I went to school for six years to get a two-year degree once I figured out, but but I loved it. I started figuring out like, oh, I hated it, but cutting Ruby Lith out and how to do Mm -hmm. um, photo stats. And just, I just started really, it was this I started learning the skill. I started taking some life drawing classes, but still reading comic books, loving comic books. I still had that side, but it was starting to kind of come together a little bit. And, uh, you know, start. I was doing the conventions. I was going to like Heroes Con in Charlotte. I was doing a couple of little small local shows, just going to see what they were about and everything and meeting a couple people. And um, so it's just all this weird work in the comic book store, meeting people, figuring it out staying up late drawing and this whole school thing kind of all kind of came together in some weird way. Um, but yeah, I can, yeah. So that's kind of where I landed with that whole thing. Huh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's it. Yeah. So, okay. So, so, I mean, you gained a lot of the skill sets you need for, you know, for the production side of, um, what an in-house, you know, agency needs mm-hmm. and, you were also gaining an understanding of how things are put together Mm -hmm. and gaining some drawing skills. So, and as you said, like the sort of the the paths are getting closer and closer together. What was the, what was the sort of the kick to say, like, or how did you sort of, you know, ruck up and say, I'm going to try something like, what was it that you could envision trying?
0: Well, you know, I mean everybody has so so I ended up joining a small studio here in Greensboro. a guy, Randy Green, Rick Ketchum, mm-hmm. Corey Turnbill, guy named Bill Ruth, um, and some other guys. And we had this small little group together and we kind of like some of them were more experienced. Than I, so I started picking up a little things like that. Um, but we all had the dream, you know, like, oh, I wanna work on an X Men book when I, you know, when I get old enough. Yeah. Or- out how to do this or a Spider-Man book, and you know I always loved the X-Men, so I I thought it was fantastic. um And I always had that dream as well, but you know my skills just weren't there. I'm gonna be honest with you. I mean I, I just I was I didn't start drawing until I was 21. Wow! I didn't start, so it was literally a lot of like, and even now at 51, 30 years later, I feel like I'm playing catch up. I still feel mm. like everybody else is better than me, so I got to keep trying. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so that's how I've I've always felt like behind in that. Um. So that's kind of what that, and I was, I would start getting like little, I'd get a pin up in a caliber book or I'd get a pin up in a, a dark horse book. So it was like little, all exciting things, but nothing really gelled. I can never kind of get in with Marvel or, uh-huh. or anybody like that. Um, but we're really, there was one Heroes Con, you know, I was kind of this working, I was working a graphic design job and kind of pursuing So I dual track, I've always dual tracked my career, you know, mm-hmm. books and graphic design. And I was at Heroes Con I'd met through, at the time, it was Mike Ringo and all those guys down at Art of the Studios of the- in Hillsborough, yeah. North Carolina, right? So I got to go down there and meet them a couple of times, just some, you know, Chuck Boykovich, Casey Jones was there, Scott Hampton, Rich Case, oh my gosh, who else? I You know, it all Dave Johnson, I think, was there for a while. I didn't meet him there, but you know what I mean? This, this great, yeah. great group of creative guys and everything. Anyway, I was at the Heroes Con. I'll have to swing back and tell you Mike Ringo's story, another Mike Ringo story. So at a Heroes Con, I asked Mike Ringo, like, will you give me a portfolio review? Were you, you mine and everything? And Mike Mike was the sweetest guy, man. He was like going through, Kelly, this looks great. You know, I'll do this. This looks great. This has been, you know, maybe work on this. He was just so nice and sweet, just as Mike, as everybody remembers yeah, yeah, Mike sure. was. Chuck Vojkovich. <laughs> <laughs> you want a real portfolio review? I'm like, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he tore me up one side down the other. And not in a mean, I don't mean to say that it was mean. It was, he was the most constructive. Like, if you want to do this and be serious about it, this is where you gotta do. This looks, this looks bad. And he explained right. why it looked bad. He would, I I say it much in my head, it was much more like, you're terrible. It wasn't <laughs> like that, but he was actually very constructive, very straightforward. Uh, it really helped inform a lot of 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 my um you know well, I, I need to be more serious about this if I'm going to do it. So it was mm-hmm. it really so <laughs> it was it was but it was a great you know my first portfolio was Mike Baringo but uh you know they, it was great to have them. So well Ch- I, the, the thing I
1: think I think the thing about Chuck is that if Chuck recognized that you had if you were like semi serious too serious he was going to offer you his opinion versus just make you feel good for showing up or being gutsy enough to share your work um you know i i would assume dave probably is very similar in that respect you know dave dave was very very astute you know in picking things up but chuck super sharp like that um, yeah
0: yeah I so I, I appreciate. It. I mean, help me. So there, there was that, and you know, I was I was getting little things. You know, I think I got these little breakthroughs. like I get a pin up a little bit, a little bit bigger pin up. I'll get a pin up for DC. You know, it's just the slow little process. Mm-hmm. Um, and but I was never really landing anything big with stuff. I did um, DC actually. Uh, I did get finally get a call from DC Comics. This was all pre-internet, right? This was all you know. Yeah. You know, um, on My voicemail at Home from Ivan Cohen. He was, uh, he's an editor at DC for years. And oh, I, wow. I forgot that name. Yeah. Okay. He's still he's writing stuff actually for DC. He's still involved in everything. And I know he was writing like, I think Scooby-Doo and, and some of those books. So it's really great to see him do stuff as, as well. And I just used to love into running into him and in, uh, at New York Comic-Con or San Diego. And he's a great guy. I really like him and I appreciate that he gave me an opportunity, but I was able to do two stories for him for uh, DC secret files. Um, You know, that was really kind of my, yeah, I did. I did a chase and a, uh, a green arrow story and everything. And that, and that was really kind of my first, like really full sequential storytelling and like with deadlines, like, so not the best I could have done, but the best I could have done with the time that I had. So it was a really great, great experience um to to have that for sure so
1: well so i that so that's important it's a really important to dig into that kind of stuff because these are the real heavy inflection points like when we get our chances our shots whatever the thing we want to call it yeah and like and how do we how do we embrace it um how do we Get through it, and then how do we reflect on it? Because like those kinds of things, because there's people who get the the shot and they tighten up, Mm -hmm. and they 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 have a hard time. Sometimes they don't even get through it, you know. And then there are the people who struggle to get through it, or they pull all nighters because it's more than they could conceive of, or whatever the thing is. And then some people will reflect back on it as. A terrible ordeal because it wasn't this magical experience that they anticipated so and i'm focusing on negative things i mean you could also just shine yourself off and say it was great and i was amazing you know um <laughs> no i don't think i've ever anyway <laughs> go ahead yeah no did you so i mean when so like i mean when the call comes and the you know the script gets i guess faxed to you or e- or mailed to you
0: yeah i think it was faxed oh my gosh yeah yeah i think i had a fax machine at the time yeah sort of yeah yeah i mean i was just it was uh yeah it was it was exhilarating i mean it was well yeah. there's that whole there's that whole ball of everything like exhilarating nervous anxiety yeah you know, but excitement it was just this whole my opportunity and you know i you know i wouldn't say i hit it out of the park but i think i did pretty good Yeah. You know? The fact that they gave me a chance, you know, it it didn't catch. So I mean, that'll lead into some other stuff with how all this kind of developed. But, um, but yeah, so I'd get these little things, but nothing in jail where I could like jump over and start working full time in comic books. Mm -hmm. That that's the trick, you know. Right? People who do it full time, I'm amazed by. Good for them. I mean, yeah, great. It's it's hard. It really is hard. So super hard. Super um, hard. But I think. So I think I'm. I can't remember. I think I got a couple of little, little small assignments here and there every once in a while. Some tr- Wildstorm trading cards, or mm-hmm. you know, what whatever. You know, two hundred bucks here, hundred bucks there. You know, again, not enough to make a living off of. <laughs> not enough to piece it together. Um, I will actually jump back to that Mike Ringo story, kind of pre pre internet, pre email. So I met Mike a couple times. He liked me and everything. He had had this uh, Street Street Fighter, eight six-page, eight-page Street Fighter assignment come in. And he didn't have time to finish it, but he wanted to collaborate with me. Oh, wow. He wanted to collaborate. He goes, so he put a call into the guys at the studio looking for me, looking for me, because he wanted to do the layouts and I would do the finished pencils on oh. it and everything. And so whatever, they, nobody came in touch with me. Again, I didn't have a cell, no cell phone, no pager, no nothing. And I finally call him back and goes, oh you missed it by about a like I don't know, 12, 18 hours or whatever. We had to sure. turn the job down like ah. <laughs> oh, I, no. I, I know, but and I think I think for me actually that felt like a little low point because I felt like I missed my opportunity. Yeah. I felt sure. like that's it. That was my opportunity. I've lost it, you know. But <clears throat>
1: yeah. But well, that was Had it like so. I mean, like you when you you went to conventions, I mean <laughs> Heroes is an amazing con- comic book convention, but yeah. it's not an industry convention. You know, it's a, it's a convention where the creators are celebrated and comic books are celebrated. Yeah. But like a San Diego or New York, this is where the industry shows up and the editors are there and they're like doing their job, which is to you know be talent scouts. Mm-hmm. Did you go up to New York? Did you? Was that part of the thought process, or did you just keep sort of firing from
0: you know Greensboro? So, well, yeah, New York, I think, I can't remember how it all went down, but remember there was was this period when New York Comic-Con did not happen. So, (laughs) right? I mean, because I remember I did when the Repop, whatever it was, before it was Repop owned, whatever, the New York, the current New York Comic-Con, I was there Mm -hmm. the first three years, nightmare and everything that it was of people getting locked out and literally shoulder to shoulder. that was like a little bit after the time i was actually trying to break in per se so i was going to san diego i remember my first san diego was 1996 um and randy green and i traveled out there together i had my little portfolio and went out there randy had been out there other kind in case you know randy green but yeah listening like randy was drawing like witchblade and white queen from marvel and cable i mean randy's had this and what else buffy the vampire slayer is yeah. he was one he's he was one of the top tier guys i mean he's he's top tier guy you know what i mean and so um but i remember going out there and trying to kind of break in and you know i'd get these little things and, and the the elusive unicorn in my life has been star wars I've had tons of work on Doctor Who. I want to keep working on Doctor Who, but I've always wanted to do something for Star Wars. Cover mm. something. I still haven't gotten a yes. So <laughs> Maybe I never will. And you know, I'd, you know, we'll see. But I remember I was talking. Dark Horse had the license to it, and I showed I'd done some Obi Wan pages, like Obi Wan fighting uh, sand people outside his home and everything, like three pages. And I think the editor Pete James was there. And he goes, Kelly, I love you He goes, you're this close. You're this close. I'm like, ah. <laughs> you know, so I, I've just had these. So that was kind of my thing. I mean, I also pitched somewhere along, not that same year, a couple of years later, I pitched a Lady Vader thing, Lady Vader book to Randy Stratford. Okay. He, yeah. loved he loved it. He goes, oh, those characters won't sell, though. You know, which at that time, he had a very good point. But now at Marvel, there's like 10 Marvel books a month. I, I Sure. I would love to do a Lady Vader mini series or something. That would like be like pretty cool. I think we'd do some fun stuff. But yeah, so I've had these things. Um, yeah, I remember standing portfolio lines, and then you know, you sometimes you win lotteries to go stand in portfolio lines. Now they've got a little bit more streamlined up there on the in the sales pavilion at San Diego, where you can kind of go and get your name on a list, and you can go stand and wait. Uh, so it's definitely a much it's set up more. But yeah, so. For me, 99% of my comic book work came from going to San Diego Comic-Con and meeting the right people at the right time. Yeah. So being there, I mean, they can find you now online, but still there is something about meeting somebody, actually meeting somebody, have a connection, go have dinner with them. Yep. Have a conversation with them, be human with them, you know? And kind of my philosophy has been too, is I'd rather do less work but do the work I want to do and better work than a bunch of crap work.
1: Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and I, I, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm not breaking into the business. I'm not young. So my point of view is completely, you know, not in that moment, but it's, I, I still believe that if you make yourself a person to the people who are the ones who are producing these you know, products that we want to be a part of, yeah. you stand a greater chance of success if you can engage with these people as human beings because you can kind of look into someone's face and go, "Like, hey, you're not even there, are you? I don't know if I want to trust you with, you know, part of my career." And yeah. uh, that's it's super it's super important to be engaging and to be present and to be a part of something because. I mean, most everyone's a fan of comic books who is in comic books. All right. So yeah. that part, we got that part all checked. Everyone's on board with that one.
0: I still go yeah. to like every Wednesday or Thursday to get my books. I love it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, yeah, I, I'm, I've, it, it's funny when I, when I left the business as my full time thing to do and I went into design, it was weird that the, the hobby of going to the comic book store kind of disappeared for me. And it's, mm-hmm. I have such a hard time being regular in going to the shop, and so it's it's a tough it's a tough thing. But when I go, it's usually a devastating blow to my bank account Ah. because I'm like, oh, I gotta. This looks good, and that looks good, and I come home. But and I'm also like one of those readers who read something and then I get rid of it because I don't keep it. I go, okay, that was great, and then I walk back. I've I've just walked back in the shop and just plop it on the counter. I go, that was great, thanks.
0: you know, you should go to the library. Library.
1: All right, Kelly. Go this this moving forward. I'm going to go to the library. I I appreciate I appreciate your, your social just, ethics.
0: I you know I I love actually going. To, I go to the library all the time as well, and I love seeing comic books, graphic novels all over the library stuff. I've never seen I'm like oh wow, I would have never seen that in a shop or never picked it up. I just love now this love for that the the medium there in the libraries. It's amazing.
1: Well, you know, we, we were we are saying how, how the variety of stuff being produced. I mean, yeah. this is this is a time when we are actually able to read more literary works in the comic book form than ever before. Yeah. So I it's kind of cool, it's kind of cool. So yeah, you know, libraries and educators are embracing the you know, the medium. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean you know, my my you know, I struggled too, man. My the nineties were a struggle for me for you know, with the comic book thing. It was it was always a lot of like you know, near misses or false starts. You know, you're like, Okay, cool, we're up and running, and then it's like, Oh, this isn't happening. And you go, Oh, what? Like <laughs> you had something and then it just disappears.
0: Yeah. Um Yeah. That seems to happen a lot in our industry though. Oh, yeah. I just I mean, you go you go through the back bends of uh, look at things like, oh my gosh, I forgot about this book. Oh, I forgot about these creators. I forgot about what whatever. You know what I mean? It's just unfortunate that it's super tough. Yeah, it,
1: it, it's super tough. And you know, there's a lot of lessons that took me a long time to to catch on to. <laughs> like yeah. I didn't realize they were lessons until many years later. And it's these things where you can carve your own path mm-hmm. if you pay attention and you do the hard work to do that so you can you can write your own comic book mm-hmm. you you don't have to walk around hoping that someone else will say hey would you draw this thing for me yeah. um you know or a publisher you can you can go to the publisher and say hey here's my idea i want to draw this by the way and they go oh it's a good idea okay you can draw this
0: but they're never going to do that just out of the blue. No, no. You do have to have a little bit of name recognition to some degree or the proof in your talent, you know, when you open your portfolio or or whatever, but then again, Kickstarter, I I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe that's the route to go. Um, I don't think it's the be all end all, but I definitely think it's a a piece of the future and the dynamics of distribution for sure. But, you know, to kind of jump on what you're saying, like, so for me, continuing the theme of San Diego and getting work and, and everything, um, you know, I, I was having getting frustrated because I wasn't breaking in. You know, I wanted to break in. I was like, you know, I was doing sample pages all the time for, you know, Buffy and this and that and Superboy. Well, I was doing sample pages all the time and getting close to this and close to that. And, um, you know, I was actually just sidetracking. I was actually supposed to be one of the original pencilers on Firefly. Oh, wow. Same Firefly. And it was just called Cowgirls in Space was how it was kind of described. I had to do a couple of pinups based off Cowgirls in Space in okay. LA, you know, type of thing. And then I got close with Buffy and I was actually supposed to take over on fray number seven and eight over for Carl Malone. Because I think there were some weird things with the scheduling with him and Joss and, you know, some weird things going on. I think uh, they were trying to get me to take over seven and eight. And uh, Josh had spoken up and said, no, I want to stick with Carl. So I'm glad he did. I mean, a little bit of a point of like, ah, you know, missed it. But again, missed opportunity, but it was the right thing to do. So, you know, mm. not upset or anything like that, but that that's really cool. But I was getting so frustrated because of these near misses, or I wasn't getting a call from Marvel or DC anymore. I was like, you know, I kind of want to do my own thing. You know, so Image Comics was kind of, you know, where, you know, with the whole history of Image Comics and... Uh-huh kind Of interesting, like I said, well, maybe I can do this, maybe I can write and draw my own thing and figure this out. And you know, I, I started kind of messing around with this thing and um kind of came. I've always liked Star Wars, Flashboard, and all those things. And you know, I saw some pictures of girls with jet packs, and I was like, so this whole kind of thing started coming together, it wasn't called Amber Adams at the time, but just started kind of coming up was like, I, I think I can do this, I think I come up with this idea. Um, so I really started working it out, doing layouts and writing the stuff. And I, I spent a lot of time with the story, just making sure I had a good story at the mm-hmm. end of the day. Um, so I started kind of pulling all that together, started kind of pitching around. I actually, tr- actually, I tried to get, I'd actually made a pitch to writers at first. Um, I put this thing together, like a, a book and I went to Mark Wade and asked yeah. to help write, but he, Brian K Vaughn, uh, I feel like there was somebody else I went to, I can't remember off the top of my head because I didn't have the confidence as a writer mm-hmm. and at that point it's like I got to write it myself because you know <laughs> so that's kind of where this all kind of started to come together and everything and I started pitching it to uh, a couple people dark horse image comics I was talking with Jim Valentino I think there's a little change over the time then Eric Steve uh, Eric Stevenson had taken over um, and we had some tweaks and changes but they were they liked it and they were very interested in it. And they actually put a full page ad and previews for it when they finally said, okay. oh, we're going to do this. I'm like, oh, my gosh. You know, contracts are signed. I got my own book coming out through image. Yeah. Time. You know, you're excited, like daunting as crap. You know, I'd never put out a book. <laughs> that's right. daunting. daunting. That's something, I you know, that's me always. Uh, anyway, <laughs> but that was kind of where I got. And so there was a lot of energy. Where I got sidetracked was is that it was solicited in December of two thousand eight to come out in February two thousand nine. It did okay. not it come out at a more worse time in no. history. Yeah, COVID, because the 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 Great Recession was beginning. Yeah. We were shedding two hundred fifty thousand jobs a week. I mean, yep. the economy we were shedding. I mean, and they were. Yeah, me too. I lost. I lost two jobs in two thousand eight. Yeah, I lost
1: my job on my birthday in 2008. Oh, my gosh. And it was great to sit there in the room with the HR people and have them not even realize that it was my birthday that they wow. were asking, you know. And, um, yeah, and then they had, they called me and I went to go sit in the exa- my exact same seat and desk, I think, three or four months later because the person who they had sitting there, like, had a meltdown and ran out the door.
0: Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I could see things like that. Oh man, yeah, it was it was a tough time. I mean so, we were, Yeah. They, so they no, no, so they so the
1: solicitation was pulled?
0: No, no, no. It so when I was talking with um with Eric Stevenson at the time, I think they were estimating that there's kind of I wanna say somewhere around 18,000 copies is what they were thinking, which is really good for an independent book. Yeah. Even their image at the time. They were like, we're thinking about eighteen thousand. And um, you know, and then again, the recession hit. I mean, Spider Man's, if I remember correctly, time Spider Man orders were even dropping from like a million down to two hundred fifty thousand copies. Like shops could wow. not. We, you know, where where are we going with this? You know, the is going to crash. So I think my orders came in around six thousand, something like that, and everything. So no, it came. It got. It came out. I got four issues out, and I was going to go. I had an issue five done. Um, but the image decided not to was again, that whole diamond thing, like the threshold, it was a little too low for the threshold. Um, so I was, I was definitely, that was my shot. I took my shot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I tried, I tried. And, uh, you know, I did it. I absolutely did it, you know, but then again, I got laid off. So my comic book kind of failed. I got laid (laughs) off twice in 2008, both of my job two jobs. Um, We were close to losing. We were probably a couple of months from losing our house. You know, so it was just at that point, like just getting a job, just getting a job to survive. To I just had just had a baby, so just trying to survive. So you know, comic books had to kind of be put on the side burner for a little bit in in that in that sense and everything. So that was that was a low time both across the board. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So well,
1: let's let's just jump into the part where before that. Because, you know, being handed the keys to a series is a is a big responsibility, and th- and you're also writing and drawing the series, so this is not just sort of one one task. You have to do multiple things. And how did you, how did you envision? Like, okay, how are you, how am I going to get this done? Because it's bigger than anything you've done at the, up to this point. I'm assuming.
0: Oh, absolutely. Well, I was thinking that I could. I always thought that I could do a transition because even image at the time was even open to bi-monthly series. Like, so you could often get six issues out a year. So that was kind of my thing. I was like, if I can, if I can write it in two weeks and then have six weeks to illustrate it and kind of, you know, tag team back and forth a little bit, like, Oh, switch, you know, that's kind of my approach. I was like, well, maybe this will be my opportunity to leave the full-time corporate world and do creative work. Right. and And, uh, Yeah. It was just kind of, it just, that's where it kind of fell through. I tried, I tried. And you know, I took my shot. It's not that I failed. I didn't fail. That was one of those things. It was just like the economy was just so, it was just so screwed up and so wacky then. But you know, I, I put a book out. I mean, how many people say they put a book out or series? you know? So I mean.
1: Not many. Right. Not many. And, and rarely do they, you know, write it and draw it themselves. Rarely is it done with a, you know, what top three publisher? Like, I mean, it, no. it is not. I mean, these are these are all sort of significant elements. Um, what was like? Like, what did you learn in your process in those five issues that you sort of took away? of Like, you know, hey, I need to do X, Y, and Z differently in the future, yeah. or I like what I have uh, I did here.
0: Well, I always thought the Amber Adams needed a little bit more of a chance. That's why I'm doing the Kickstarter, actually, is to kind of get a trade paperback, because it was never collected into a trade paperback. And, you know, people have told me how much they enjoyed the story. And I think that was always, I've always considered myself an illustrator, Mm -hmm. first, writer kind of second or third. (laughs) But it was always important to me to have a good story. I might not be a perfect writer, but I I, I did enjoy the process of trying to piece the puzzle together. Like, oh, okay. Here's the beginning of the story. Here's the end of the story. Okay. Well, how, how do I weave it together? How do I, so it's like a puzzle as a human trying to figure out that puzzle. So I really, yeah, I wouldn't say I would write a novel or anything, but I definitely like the writing experience kind of piecing it together. Like, okay, well that works there. This doesn't. So I think I grew a lot as that. And, you know, it, it again, it gave me enough confidence to feel like I could pitch a lady Death Vader to a uh, later lady, vader series to dark wars or things like that i don't think i want to be a full-time writer like i would if marvel said hey we want you to write uh ongoing star wars like i'm like nah you know i i would i love the idea of that but let's let's call time out because that's not <laughs> the, you know <clears throat> well okay so
1: I, let's i mean let's talk a little bit about the writing um you know i because that's what i think about every single day of my life is writing so it's always good to think of talk about it so you have you're saying you had this You know, okay cool you had an idea for a story you know you saw pictures of jetpacks and you're like you're sort of kind of piecing these things Mm -hmm. together and I, i remember doing that you know when i was a comic book artist because i too had this terrified lack of confidence about the idea of writing something it was just like i there was no way i would ever say oh yeah i could write that i couldn't mm-hmm. um, but it's it's an interesting way that artists typically build stories they they find they find a visual or they do a drawing and this drawing sort of inspires something within them and then they start kind of building a visual and potentially word-based kind of gallery in their uh, in their sketchbooks and they start kind of putting these pieces together and and connecting a story sort of loosely within this framework like what were you drawing upon for your benchmarks for writing having not really done it i guess except for making sample pages
0: um, well, so I think me again is just figuring out the beginning and the end really was figuring mm-hmm. out where, where what story how did the story end? Like right. I actually try to kind of figure out because that way that helped that gave me my North Star. And that gave me the way to weave the story like it and right or wrong, it's like this is the direction I need to go in. Maybe that limits me, you know, versus going off in a tangent or whatever, but I felt like it helped me weave scenes together. Um, And just to jump ahead a little bit, I've done another creator-owned book that I'm probably about two-thirds of the way through. But at this point, I'm writing – I've already written the whole thing. It's all Mm -hmm. written. You know, just – it was – because I want the stories to be – I don't want – you know, I know comic books are cheap cheap entertainment. But I do want them – I want to be a good story. I want to be entertained with what I'm telling or whatever I'm trying to get a – you know just entertain them get a point across whatever so the beginning and the end points are important and then just figuring out how they weave together that's that's the important thing so for me
1: well i that's and it's not it's not uncommon the idea of the the idea of having the end of the story having your having your finale at least not not completely fleshed out but knowing where you want to go is super important and because you can you know you can weave and meander but the thing is that weaving and meandering makes it very it, it requires a lot more editing to be able to oh wow i just wrote 14 comic books worth of story here but i only get 6 issues so now you have to figure out how to sort of tighten
0: that back into something that you can work um mm-hmm. Which isn't a bad thing sometimes. might no. have to reflect like, okay, but the, the, save this for another thing or another book or, or you know, just what, well, and what I found with my writing is, is I, I, I well, I, I will say one of the guideposts for my writing was, is like, I love the old Flash Gordon serialized things where it's cliffhangers. So yeah. that's what I started doing. Like everything had to end, and comic books too, the old comic books I grew up on, like the New Mutants and the X-Men or whatever, ends on cliffhanger. You know, totally. so that was kind of my one little guidepost. So that kind of helped me write towards certain scenes at certain times. Um, I think it served me pretty, pretty, pretty well and everything like, you know, because it, it piques interest in picking up the next book. So,
1: yeah. And I think I think that that comic books are so very similar to those serialized pieces. You know, they they're they they're not too long and they do have that sort of cliffhanger aspect you're talking about like you really do want to hook the person and you know and they're built with cliffhangers because the page turn is kind of can be designed as a mini cliffhanger mm-hmm. to keep yeah. that that level of speed going if you want them to go fast if you don't want them to go fast you can slow them down um, you know in layout or in, in word yeah
0: huh. it's funny I've found that my writing style is fast like at least at this mm-hmm. point in my career like I write, I, I write out all the stuff i don't need and just boil it down to the important stuff
1: right yeah
0: i'm <laughs> you know, just like yeah I, I don't need all this extra fluff i just need to get to the point like boom 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 so <laughs> it,
1: it, it, that's it's funny and i had um have a friend of mine who's who's a who's a writer and she in reading my book months later she goes i figured out what it is you write novels like comic books like there's this sort of like visual aspect of the way you write but the way you move the story along is very similar to how at least she envisions a comic book you know being being written so I'm like oh well that makes sense you know yeah. with, with my background and you know I've, I've ingested more comic books than I've ingested probably anything else
0: <laughs> good healthy diet right
1: yeah right lots of fiber <laughs> um, so I mean like so I mean like right now you have another project that you've you've written completely out so you've sat at the keyboard you've you've done the notes and you've 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 written the script did how did your process go for putting that script together i'm because i'm really interested in how especially how artists move into writing I, it's a very interesting world for me
0: well so it's, it's morphing and changing and technology ch- has changed it too you know just all the digital stuff now and like i use a well oh, gosh let me think about how this unfolds so this other book is called Monster, M-O-T-H-E-R, Monster. Okay. And um, I, I say like the initial kind of thought was like, oh, Nightmare Before Christmas. And then it completely shifted and morphed into a completely different way. And it, it's kind of like a halfway house, house for monsters. So people okay. get hurt into monsters. And uh, this family lives and they, they try to help these people com- revert back into humans from being monsters. So it's kind of like a halfway house for monsters is the general idea yeah. with, with this. Um but there's a theme around it, you know, uh, forgiveness, things like that. Uh, but I think with this one, I really just start really just typing stuff out. Like literally I would start breaking out the scene. Like I'd write like two or three sentences, like a quote paragraph, like this is what I want to happen over these five pages. And sometimes it'd be a blend of actually just thumbnailing out, sketching out like, Oh, a monster hitting somebody. Oh, somebody talking. Mm -hmm. So is it So really kind of a combination of, you know, just back and forth of like writing. And then I found out, well, maybe I need to write out a little bit more towards my North Star, my end point. And then I'd come back and do thumbnails out. Now I find when I use this program, Clip Studio Paint. Um, yeah, sure. So I use that. So now I'll take my scripts that I originally wrote and I'll rewrite it. Like I'll do like, so if I have my thumbnails on a, on a layer, I'll do another layer, like just reeking out the um, the word balloons. Like, oh, the word balloons go here. And then I'll find I'm actually writing new script or moving dialogue around. And that's such a great editing process. You can do it right there. Like, Oh, this will flow better if I actually move this balloon here versus how Mm -hmm. I wrote it. So there is that fluidness to be able to do that, but I still have the framework, the blueprints of the story of where I'm taking it. So it doesn't really derail me. It just like visually, it works a little bit better this way.
1: Yeah. And that's cool. I like that. Do you, so I mean how how many issues is is this planned to be, just so I can
0: so well again it's so there I think an issue or two, two issues. So when when comicsology first launched, they were they were they were trying to push everybody not everybody, some people to do more of this horizontal format and try to get out. So I originally kind of did it a little bit more like that and I got two two eleven chapter stories out of it. And then I kind of paused. I was like, this is not an I want to kind of get it back to how I want it to a pure combo of double stacked pages. Maybe I'll publish it. Um, again, this has been over the past couple of years. Well, now we've gotten Kickstarter. And so I think, I think I really want to start doing projects now. And this is at this point, I really want to do just like graphic novel trade paperbacks, a complete story where it's a complete, I think it's going to be, I think I have it at 88 pages, maybe a little bit more, maybe less. Again, that's the great thing you can edit along the way. But what I'm finding is I just want to tell tighter stories. So I want to wait till it's kind of like all done and then kind of circle back and type, go back and re-edit and tighten things up along the way. Okay. Yeah. So I think I'm going to kind of do this more story oriented, like 80, 88 pages. Here's a graphic novel. Here's a graphic novel. Here's a graphic yeah. novel. So <laughs> I
1: I'm a huge fan of that. I think a few years ago, I I was really kind of asking the question, like where are the beginning, middle, and end isolated single stories? Not a collected edition, Mm
0: -hmm. but
1: like something that like was intentionally done with no no breaks. Like this is one story. Mm -hmm. And it feels like we're getting a lot more of those. And I think that might be a reflection of the... You know the middle grade and y a market of graphic novels that has exploded,
0: yeah yeah i i absolutely agree, I'm just trying to think of what I have on the shelf that's just yeah you're seeing more more of that And I think you're right about that. I don't know if I got anything to get my hands on at the moment, but I've definitely seen that a lot more, where it's just kind of one complete story without breaks you know yeah. you put your little bookmark in where you stop just like a novel, you know what I mean like, yeah I start right here you know
1: <laughs> i I just read um van jensen's van jensen and jesse lonergan's arca which comes out i think in june or july and it's a single story and it's phenomenal it's this great science fiction story and it's not issues it's just one thing and it's wonderful i mean it's just great
0: well that's kind of what i'm thinking with Amber Abs when i get to like the second thing i mean i want to continue the story a little bit but also like I want to kind of maybe keep it more self-contained like here's a new picture of Amber
1: Adams well it's like a book you know I mean it's just a book series you know you're just telling another another novel of James Bond or Mm -hmm. insert insert the protagonist you know Amber Adams Um, and I think that's a I I, I think that's fine yeah I mean like well what it's like what um you know Brubaker and Phillips do I Mm -hmm. mean they just they put out books
0: yes they do they put out some great yeah. stuff too
1: <laughs> yeah you know and i i think and i think it's i think it's fan and look like once again you know circling back we can love superheroes that's fine i mean spider-man is still my all-time favorite character for a million reasons and i love all the comic books that i love but i it's also very cool that we get books now that are comics
0: Yeah it's 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 amazing it's amazing to see all the different content out there I mean things while I walk into the complex stores, like how have I never heard of this book how, sure why I've why never heard of this book I'm, I'm just so you know and it's always kind of neat to be able to walk in and be surprised by something like i I, did, I didn't know about these creators like why have I not seen this like what's you know why is that and that's I think that's a great thing you know because it used to be like you know when let's say like joe Mara was coming along or jim mm-hmm. lee or whatever you know they would they would get like, they would get a pinup in the back of a book, they'd get another pinup. Oh, yeah. maybe they'll get a short story. Oh, maybe they'll get a fill-in issue. Let's give them a couple of fill-in issues on different books through the years. Oh, let's say, let's give them a mini series and everything. And then, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden they get put on like a big book, like an X-Men or a Spider-Man. And it was just, you could tell, it was almost like a cycle, like a three-year cycle. You could see this building of both their art style and the fan base and everything, so it was constructed different. I don't think it was done on purpose. I just think that's how it kind of went. And yeah, so sure. Had these people like the John Burns and people like that who had these huge fund they built up over years, and now you walk into the comic book store and you find something you've never. Be you, you're amazed by somebody you've never seen or or, or seen their product for. And she's like, "Wow, where where were these people? Where have they been?" You know. Yeah. Well, and
1: you know we were saying so earlier that there's so much out there that it is it is hard to even. Spot, you know where that person got that that pinup, you know that because that pinup could have happened in something that is so far off your sort of zone of interest, mm-hmm. and then then they ended up doing that, you know backup story or whatever for somebody in another thing, and you didn't get to see that either. And then next thing you know, wham, they're doing the thing, and you're like, what is this? And yeah, like, no, it's 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 kind of cool. I mean you know it's a different way of building mystery you know like we we had this we had mystery before the internet because we didn't know Mm -hmm. but there was such a small avenue for things to to be distributed that you could kind of keep an eye on most everything but now it's this magical sort of they oh you didn't know about this like oh there's this publisher like you know talking you know with mark irwin
0: Oh, yes, he, right. Yeah, yeah, you talked to Mark, yeah. Earlier, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, and he's he's talking about like, you know, getting this gig with Mad Cave, and he's got this phenomenal, you know, position, and he's loving what he's doing, and he's like, I never knew who they were before they called me, because
0: there's so much, there's so many, there's so many. Well, yeah, you know, and and actually, Mark, uh, he's the guy who gave me a lot of work for like trading cards over the years. Hell yeah, he did. Oh, gen 13 things like that those little ones so yeah mark mark's a great guy so i'm very appreciative for for everything uh that he he would send my way for sure Mm -hmm. yeah yeah no it's um it's cool well go ahead yeah well you know what what, (laughs) just kind of uh, talking about like different publishers publishers and all this so You know, I found some of my favorite artists uh, internationally and everything. And uh, it's really opened me up to some of the other international books that we've never had access to um, before. Because there's one of my favorite artists is a guy named uh, Olivier Vatin, French artist. Oh, yeah. uh, so, So I've known Olivier since like 1999. I had... So what had happened is... I was flipping through, I think it was like fan magazine or something at the time, whatever fan Overstreet, whichever one it was, you know, they used to the magazine, the previews and new books yeah. coming out. And I saw, I knew again, I was a big star Wars guy. I was getting all the dark horse stuff and this, and I'd read actually, I'd read the heir to the empire trilogy stuff by Timothy Zahn. So i read the novels mm-hmm. uh, and the dark horse was doing an adaptation and they had a preview in fan magazine of his, this artwork. And I was like, and I and I've seen you know I loved Art Adams, Mark Schultz, Al Williamson, you know the list goes on. All those guys loved them, but I saw Olivier stuff. I was like, I really love this stuff. I was like, oh my gosh, what? Where's this guy been? Like who? So I started asking like the Artemis guys, like Rich Case and Ringo. I'm like, who is this guy? Whatever. I'm like oh yeah, like he's a French artist we think. And yeah, I go to the comic book store and like you know I think he'd done like they'd reprinted Dark Horse or reprinted like a short story from was it shovel nor book that they had or whatever like oh my god (laughs) yeah right he done this this is all pre-internet this is all pre-internet right you know so i'm like trying to like i'm going like oh okay i found this story and like you had to talk to you had to talk to people to figure out things and like oh he might have done aqua blue too i'm like what's aqua blue i've never heard of it again i can't go to the internet and search you know (laughs) and uh so i'm trying to piece this together really like this guy's stuff within like the i I think around the time the book actually came out, I just, and I fell in love with the guy's stuff. I'm just like, I, whatever it was, I just love, love his artwork. Um, so, and finally, I, again, because of my connections at Dark Horse, I'm trying to get into the books. I was like, if I send this guy, if I write a fan letter to this guy, will you guys send it to him? Like, will you, do you mind doing that? And they're like, yeah, write a fan letter. We'll send it to him. I'm like, all right, great. You know, this was like 98, 99. Yeah. I'm living in Detroit at the time. And I come in, like, I don't know about, I want to say like eight, nine months had gone by from when I sent the letter. And I come home from work and there's this box on my front step from France. I'm like, hell, who don't, who don't know from France? Like, what is this? It, and Olivier had sent me this box of like all these albums and all these prints and all this stuff. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. I mean, I just, wow. I just love it. It's like all this stuff and everything. And this was all about the time, like, so I think I'd written him a letter or two back. And right about this time, technology – so emails started coming through and everything. Sure. So he sent me his email address, and we just kind of had been pen pals back and forth. And I would send him some things, just little things here and there. And we just kind of built this relationship. And actually, he asked me to work with him on a French book. Hmm. So I did like an eight-page French story for – um carmen and travis with him like he did the layouts and i did all the pencils and inks and colors and everything so but yeah and we went to france and my wife and i stayed with him this family for a little bit and uh you know uh, so yeah so we've been friends like since 99 like whenever he came to new york i'd take him around new york city and everything Mm -hmm. he actually did a variant cover for my amber adams kickstarter um that's right. Look at yeah. you tying it back in. Yeah. So I've known Olivier for all these years and I've just I've loved his artwork and I love seeing the success of what he's done over the years, you know, and just kind of So yeah, whenever conventions we'll we'll hang out and uh yeah, just such, such a great guy. Love his artwork. Um yeah, he was he was at he was at Heroes this year, right? This last year. He was not. He was not. I don't, he's not he has not done Heroes. He's done like New York Comic Con. New York. <laughs> He was up for an Eisner at San Diego pre-COVID for New York. So, Dark Horse that he wrote and he adapted and and, and illustrated it. Um, So, but yeah, I I think he should have won, but that's just me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You might be biased, right? A
0: little bit, but a little bit.
1: uh, No, he's, he is, he's totally amazing. Um, But yeah, I mean, I guess, I, I mean, that is sort of, you know, but now there are, not saying there's a ton of him, but our access to the breadth of these artists out there is kind of unlimited.
0: Well, I think he helped expose me to the whole European market of comics I never knew about. Like, I'm sure I'm stuff. I'm like, you know, like Fred Blanchard and Claire Winling and D.D.A. <laughs> Glasgow. And I'm like, all these. Uh, Amazing artists that are incredible, and just like, how have I never seen this? How, why have we not seen this? And you're right, you know. It's, now we have She's action.
1: the best. Claire Wendling is the best, man. I, 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 I will push her, her books onto anybody who shows an inkling of interest, like artistically in that avenue. I'm Like, go, oh, you got to get those books.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she's she's great and everything. So, yeah, I got to meet her at uh, Thought Bubble in Leeds. I don't know, about five years ago or something. So, Sweet. yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I'm a big yeah. fan. am a big fan of the French illustrators. What can I say? Day, hey, man, c'est la vie. You know,
1: <laughs> gotta love it. You gotta love it. Um, okay, so Amber Adams, yes, Kickstarter, yes, you launched it last. Was it last week?
0: It was Friday at noon.
1: Yeah. 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 And you're, so you're in week one, which is the heavy work week.
0: Yes. Yes. I'm learning all this.
1: (laughs) And then you go into what I've deemed the trench.
0: Yes. Which is
1: the world has forgotten about you and you are terrified. And then everything picks up magically at the end in the last week.
0: Yes. I'm familiar with this cycle now. I'm learning about the cycle. That was part of my prepping for all this.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So how was, so how was the launch for you? Like, what did you, what did you feel? And you know, how do do you, how do you feel?
0: Do do you want me to tell you how confident and great I was feeling about just hitting that button? And is that what you want to hear? I don't believe that for a second. you want to hear the terrifying truth? Not terrifying. It was not terrifying. It is. Yeah. I'd, I'd come, I'd come up with my game plan and my path and my blueprint to what I was going to do. So I felt confident, but you know, we were asking people for $5,000. That was my, that's my goal. That I've set like to print these books yeah. to, do, to do this um, $5,000. Um, and, uh, but it's still nerve wracking. I don't care how much you prep for it. It's just like you're getting ready to give a speech in front of a thousand people. You are still going to get butterflies. No matter yeah. how hidden you are behind a computer. Um, but it's been thrilling. And I got to say, I, again, building up that subscriber list and just family and friends and people I've met at shows before. They might not be my best friend, but just that community of people who want to support creators. Yeah, I've done so many shows over the years. I, I couldn't do it without them. There's no way I could do it without them. And I think my first day, I got over $2,000. I got. Oh my God. A- wow. And I'm sitting here and it, it kept going up, kept going up. And then it went up over Saturday. Sunday, it hit a little bit of a level out and everything. So I posted actually we're sitting on Monday morning, February 20th. I posted my videos. And as before I checked before we got on our call, I am now sitting at four thousand and six hundred dollars. I am four hundred dollars away from funding my first first Kickstarter. God damn. Uh, and uh I'm pretty excited. I mean I'm I you know wow Thank you, thank you. <laughs> oh, no, that's that's fa- that's a fantastic
1: opener. That's a fantastic opener. Yeah. S- okay. So, th- do you know do you know roughly how many uh, pledgers that it that works out to be?
0: So well, let's see. I think so. I think when I checked, I think I'm like seventy, seventy six, seventy eight, okay. something like that. And there's been yeah. people who have donated a couple bucks here and there, like you know, oh, here's twenty bucks just because we like you, Kelly, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right? Even if it's a dollar, I'm like, thank you, thank you very much. But I think, again, coming with the blueprint with this comics launch group is really helped me. Like, you know, I had some issues like, well, I have this cover. What do I do with this? Like, well, maybe you should make that a variant cover and make it exclusive. So, figuring out all your tiers and what are things that are going to really accelerate you. And I know I'm going to learn stuff out of this process when I do the next Kickstarter. Like, I can, you know, those things I've learned, I can apply to it there. But, you know, offering the cover, you know, offer the cover. I don't sell much of my original artwork. Um, but I offered the cover to the trade paperback, I think for $900. And so purchased it over the weekend. Oh, wow. And that really, I know it's high, but also I'm trying to fund a book. You know what yep. I mean? And, totally. and somebody backed me, they purchased it. So that jumped me up to there. But getting those things figured out you know, I got a couple commissions I'm going to do as well, but you know, you want, you want to find a balance, like you, you want to do some of the commissions, but you want to take on too much where you get behind on everything. Yeah. So I just I limited it to like three and I got some headshots I'll do. So nothing crazy work-wise, yeah. um, but just figuring all that stuff out. And uh, yeah, I just, I, I have I'm excited. I'm, I'm very humbled. I'm humbled that people have, have contributed and are excited uh, to, to back me. And like, you know, like I said, I'm going to take, if there's extra money, that's all going to go to create cross costs for the next project.
1: Sure. Well, that's. Yeah. I mean, the the dream is that you can sort of preload towards the next project, and you can just kind of keep building and lay, yeah. you know, overlapping and you know, build an audience. Two questions. Yes. That came up to mind. One: Does the person who bought the cover get a copy of the comic, or is it, they have to do that as well, uh, extra?
0: I'm actually giving them a copy of the comic. Okay, that seems very, very benevolent of you. Um, And um, and actually, I'll make a little bit. I'm going to do like a one-off print, a color version of it, sign it, and make it like a one-of-one copy. So they get a they get the original art and a color copy of the cover. Like a that's cool artist proof print type of thing. Sure, just a little bit extra something for them.
1: I like that. And the other, other thing is, you know, I mean, you're within one week here, but have you had to, you know, call an audible? On your blueprint so far?
0: Um, no, uh, no, not at this, okay. point. not at this point. There's, there's somebody who tried to. Well, there's the little, the little technical things. Like somebody wanted to purchase a, they purchased a commission that does come with the book, but they also wanted to get another the variant co- cover of Olivier, and for whatever reason, they couldn't select two things. You can only select one. And I didn't have it set up as a tier, so. But I, I know the guy, and he's he's so I'll, I'll, I might just give him a copy of that extra book. Right. <laughs> but yeah. it's the little technical things. Um, you know, I really try to kind of keep this thing small. I try not to go crazy with super things. Like I did offer a shirt if you want to get an Amber Adam shirt and everything. But I really mm-hmm. try to keep it small in a way that I could – because it's just me at this point. Like next time, oh maybe I'll use a, uh, you know, because I'm gonna do all the fulfillment my own this first time okay. just so I can understand it. everything maybe next time i'll use somebody different depending on how it goes um yeah so just kind of learning as i go i'm i'm a
1: big fan of backer kit Mm -hmm. which is which is seems to be very helpful when it comes to collecting the information from the people you know from your your what are they called again don't not donors they're they're uh pledgers there you go um yeah so yeah, so backer kit seems to be a great way to collect that information and I believe they can also sort of fill flesh out their order. Like if they've changed their mind and they want to add a couple more issues or whatever, they can do that in backer kit.
0: Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, backer kit really seems like a great way to go. Again with this first like I you know, I didn't think I'd be sitting here almost funded right three days, so right? You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I'm just flabbergasted. So, you know, um, and like I said, I did enough research where I feel like I can handle now. If I get 500 people, not that, that, but yeah, 500, I might have to, like, you know, okay, I might need to loop in back or kid, kid at this point. But for this first one, I just want to kind of keep it small, and then the next yeah. time, you know, kind of figure out oh, because you got to figure out your pricing and everything. It's not just that's the whole thing, you're being a businessman, it, too, it's not even on it's your
1: so much work, It like. The t- Figuring the tiers out and, and, and all the pricing and, you know, rolling in all your shipping and handling, like all these things, it's, it, it's, a, it's a lot of work.
0: It really is. It really is. Well, and like you're saying, though, is that hopefully you build up enough of an audience supporters mm-hmm. that, you know, when I do the second one, like it'll be bigger you know, yeah. be a step up and then and like, okay, well, I can't handle that anymore. I'm I'm okay with, I'm okay with, you know, delegating or outsourcing, whatever. But for this first one, I just want really to kind of want to get, I just want to kind of get it under my belt and, you know, get my hands all just so I know what's going on and understand the process.
1: So here's, a, here's an interesting thing that's been sort of tinkering in my head for a while about, about, um, I'm just going to use the term Kickstarter comic books is that, with this sort of printing on demand world that we have, we don't seem to have the the collectability of comic books has sort of been, I don't want to say ignored, but has been overlooked. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is you do a Kickstarter and it's successful, and then you go and you do your next one. And in your next one, you may offer, hey, you could order a, a trade of, the amber adams thing you know add that on to your thing what a nice what a nice piece of that's great but those books will be printed separately for that purpose now i'm just saying thinking more in the terms that these are individual issues but one of the things about collecting comics is that you know hey this is printed like that Star cover uh with uh uh, nightcrawler done Mm -hmm. by michael gold michael golden yeah um in 1984 that's the first printing. And that first printing has value because it's first printing. And with this digital printing, we're not putting in the indicia, it seems, first printing, second printing, third printing, whatever. Um I It would be nice if we would start as a community to in, incorporate that in there so the collecting market can know what they're purchasing.
0: Yeah. No, I, I'd agree with that. I think... <sighs> I mean, I think if you when I still go to my comic book store, there is still some of that and everything. I wonder if it kind of diminishes if it's, I think it's a little bit different, like floppy versus a trade paperback. Sure. You know what like, I mean? Because most people, as far as I know, like if it's the comic book, like, oh, here's the first edition of this, whatever, Star Wars book. Great. I got the first copy. Oh, second printing, whatever. You know, they did a variant. But to me, like trade paperbacks and stuff, you know, like Walking Dead. You didn't care. Most people didn't care. They have, you know, the 18th printing of Walking Dead. They just want the sure. Walking Dead to read it. You know, I mean, they didn't care. Maybe there is that first printing. Maybe there's a like, ooh, I got a first printing of Walking Dead. But I don't really see it sectioned out like that. Like you're saying, like the collectability market. So I don't maybe that might just something still just has to live in the trade, the floppies.
1: Yeah. just I, But I mean, if you're going to make your gra- these as standalone graphic novels, then they are sort of they are the first printing and second printing because they are what they are. Do you know how the, um, you know, the, the, the the people who do the Kickstarters, but then the book gets printed by image. Do you have any, any sort of inkling how that works out? So, you know, for example, you know, uh, Mike, Mike Oming will do his, his comic book Mm -hmm. and he'll run it on Kickstarter, but then he'll sell it then it'll, but image will print it and put it in the stores.
0: Yeah. I don't quite have all that figured out. I know, well, I mean, boom's doing that with berserker. I mean, you know, and boom's doing mm-hmm. that with other cloths and clouds, cloths, class, whatever it is. And then, you know, so there you're starting to see this a little bit more and I think it's going to be something we're going to see together where it's kind of like, you know, maybe a company's going to start taking it just like, well, we don't know how this is going to sell, but let's do a Kickstarter first. And then, you know, we, it sells 10,000 copies, but we'll overprint it by, another 10,000 and we can put those 10,000 in the shops or something like that. Mm -hmm. I think we are going to see something along those lines a little bit more. And how that I I don't really know, but.
1: I mean, it may, listen, it makes sense in the terms of where if you can pay, if the artist can fund the actual production cost of making, you know, the, the visual artwork for a book and then, they have the deal with the publisher when it comes to printing and distribution for, you know, the, what goes into the stores. That's a, it seems like a kind of a smart way to do it rather than to have to, you know, dip into your life savings and (laughs) pay for the comic book.
0: Yeah. Well, there's that. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, I think one of my kind of lessons I'm taking away from experiencing the crowdfunding crowdsourcing is for me, like Amber Adams was done. So it was a little bit of an easier lift. Like I didn't have to worry about the, I mean, I still put the whole book together, create a new cover. Mm-hmm. I, I physically put it all, that's my graphic design background really came in and helped with all that. um But to me, still creatively, like a monster, I'm not going to do a Kickstarter to fund it before the book's even done. I'm not going to function like that because I don't want the response, let's say it gets funded for 10,000, whatever. And then, oh, but now ah, I got all this work ahead of me, and like things For happen sure. in my life. So, to me, I'm going to get projects done and then crowdfund it.
1: <laughs> I, I think that's I think that's become the route that it has to be. I, I just think that too many. Uh, listen, like you said, life happens, and there have been too many of life happens, and the good intentions build. You know, you just get. Bad blood after a while of too many yeah. of these things happening. So, you know, cave right? Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. Um, what did you like? So, what are the? I mean, I'm curious because I'm I'm truly fascinated by how this works. You know, and, and you're coming at this sort of in in your first round of this. What were the big takeaways in talking with the comics launch people? and your research that you said, okay, I need to do this, this, and this, like, cause your video is great. Like you have, like your production values are high, <laughs> you know, like, so w- was that sort of something stressed or was like, what were the things that were stressed to you?
0: Well, everything was stressed to me, you know, <laughs> Just yeah. like, so well, so what I had to do is I had to, as one, my boss likes to say, how do you a well one bite at a time? You know, sure I really i just really had to come up with my game plan so I, I went through the course and learned like okay and i found out like i'd forget some of it like oh my gosh where do i go with this okay like so i i did the course is like and it's a thoroughly extensive in-depth course and it'll blow your mind you'll get to some point you're like i'm mush i'm mush but the great thing about it is is if you get to the end like oh i forget how to do this you can circle back and rewatch or engage cool. that later like okay that's right that's how you do this particular thing but the key thing is getting your numbers down making sure like being realistic with how many people you think you can expect to back you based off of, like your how many people are friends with on facebook uh figuring out your printing costs well you know is it five dollars a copy or is it four dollars a copy you start multiplying that thing that really can get things out of whack um but I think being a graphic designer, yes, I feel like my production values are much higher. Um, the video they said was a very important thing. And I'm seeing that based off the numbers, like how many people are viewing it. And, you know, I was mm-hmm. like, okay, it's important. My original thing was, you know, this is my studio. I was going to, you know, me just trying to kind of shortcut things to to some degree to save money and time and everything. It's like, well, I just set up, you know... A, a curtain behind me, and I can get my iPhone out and a tripod, and get a nice little, buy a cheap little, um, you know, microphone. Yeah. Not cheap, yeah. But yeah, a, a microphone. And I can shoot it, and and I can learn Premiere enough. I mean, I know enough with Adobe Premiere to putz my way through it and everything. But right. I'm that type of person too. Like, no, no, I'll take three weeks to get through it. But I like, you know, at the end of the day, um, I was like, you know what? I, just because I'm stressed out, I might need to lean into my family a little bit, and I have a, I have four brother-in-laws they're all fantastic but um one of them works at the news channel 8 news in uh, richmond virginia i was like man i was like if i come up there and i've got a script, i wrote the whole script and everything if I if i do this you know i'll pay you whatever you know just can you help me pull this thing together and he goes like he's absolutely i'll help you here's what we're going to do that you're going to come up on a saturday we're going to hang out you bring your script we're going to and i gave him like the i really storyboard my script out like i said the comic zooms in. I want like spacey area music. So I gave him the framework work. So I didn't just like dump it on him because that's right. responsible. Like I gave him the framework. I was like, I won't, but I leaned on him where I knew he was an expert in, but here's the type of music I want. Here's how I envisioned like what should be there. I want the, and I provide him all the assets too, even before I got up there. Like here's a 3d rendering of the book. Here's this background. Here's the wording. Like I storyboarded it out for him. So I did the heavy lifting because he was taking his time to help Mm -hmm. me. Sure. uh, So I got up there and we went up to the, to the studio and uh, you know, he directed me He goes, it's probably going to take about 50 times to get this right. I'm like, all right, all right. (laughs) We nailed it on the eighth time. I feel like nice, pretty good. But he was just like, you know, I walked out the first time he goes, now, do you want to be wimpy Kelly? Or do you want to be like, you know, engaged? I'm like, all right, I can do this. I do (laughs) it. So it was really kind of like, he worked with me and directed me and told me like, you know, you, and we did the teleprompter which oh my gosh that it's so hard oh if i had to memorize everything my my script was not complicated but if i had to remember what i was going to say with the intensity of how i was going to say it yep. this <laughs> it would have been terrible so that having that teleprompter was, was everything but he did a fantastic job just directing me and telling me what to do and making me comfortable with it um, I give a thousand, a hundred, a hundred thousand percent credit to him for helping me with it. But we just went back into an editing bay in his office and we just sat there on a Saturday afternoon and we, we really just collaborated back and forth. Like he, he laid in stuff and picked the music and it was really a collaboration. Um, and, uh, you know, he's, you he don't have to pay me anything, but I send him a gift card because I mean, you spent your Saturday with me. I'm going to let you take your wife out. and Yeah so but i mean so that was a that was a case of like realizing like okay i could do it but it's going to be crappier you know what i mean and he took mm-hmm. it an extra notch so so yeah no
1: it it looks great i mean it, it's a it, i've seen the bad ones and <laughs> that's not one of them for sure
0: yeah but and i was say one other thing too about my actual page and everything is what if you look at my video and you look at my page setup i really try to tell a story I Introduced mm-hmm. myself to people because there's a lot of people at cruise space um Kickstarter, they don't know who you are. So I said, up, yeah. hey, I'm, I'm Kelly Yates, I've done all this stuff for. I've done Doctor Who, I've designed toys, I've done this. So I set up my credibility first of yep. who I was. And then I got and told the story. This is what I'm trying to do. I set the like this is the end goal to pr- pr- print a hundred and twelve page book. That's the end goal. I've given you the where now I'm gonna take you through why that and like this is what's gonna be. Here's the cover. Here's another cover. Here's the old stuff so you can look and see So I built a story and I laid it out on like InDesign first so I can feel where things inserted or didn't insert. Cool. So I pre-built my story and it's really paid off. I think it's like, you know, I feel like I have told a clear story with what I want and what I'm trying to do. I
1: think that's a great idea. You could uh you could genericize a lot of those those elements and uh maybe sell the template as a digital tool. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. good. I mean, it, but just help me tell the story. What's yeah.
1: the word I'm telling? Well, I mean, it, it's, it, 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 listen, people sell things that are not comics. And so that doesn't make them storytellers. So having a tool to help them figure out how to tell the story so they can be successful in selling their thing on Kickstarter might actually be a, a, a nice investment for people. Yeah. So. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. You never know. All right. <laughs> you so know. you've said you've said the thing. Give me the 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 give me the elevator pitch of, of Amber Adams and why I have to why I have to do it and uh, pledge and get the comic.
0: All right. Well, first thing I'll say is blast off, Amber Adams. That's always my kind of my new little catchphrase I've been using. Is kind of morphed into that. But uh, basically, just follow the journey of Amber Adams. She's a, a female Flash Gordon. That's uh, you know, putting herself out into the universe for the first time, and she's finally finding out that her family history might affect the fate of the universe. Oh, cool! So, yeah, so. nice <laughs> mercenaries, aliens, everything. Everything I gotta work, with, see, I gotta work on that pitch. My storytelling, I messed it up a little bit. Like, oh, I gotta, gotta nail that a little bit more, and that's part of the process. Like, I gotta work on that a little bit more. And that's and also when you do conventions like that sales pitch, like, you know, no pressure, right. <laughs> It's big. I, I, um,
1: I was talking to a guy at, at the Charlotte or the, uh, here mini con and he had, he was a novelist. He had a, had his book, his three books out there. And I was, I relayed a story to him that the key, like your credibility thing that you were talking about is super important. That's like, you know, website rule number one, establish credibility. Mm. But the other thing is, is know your target audience. Yeah. And, I know the story of a guy who went to a book fair and sat next to like, you know, pretty decent selling authors, this guy self published, had a stack of books at his table. Mm-hmm. And every time people came by, he said, Oh, and he na- would name author x, y, and z he goes, you like so and so so and so and so and so. Well, then you're gonna like my book. Mm-hmm. He sold out his his entire book over the weekend, because he knew his audience and knew how to sell his his book. Just in one line,
0: so it's funny you mention that because I always apologize to the people on either side of me when I set up a conventions, because my sales pitch is the same thing every time. you know oh, yeah. are, you, are you a fan of Doctor. Who? Yes, I, you know, and it's just I have my sales pitch type of thing, <laughs> so I've, I've heard it, I've, I've seen it I've heard, it. I've heard it. it a thousand times over the weekend, you know, yeah
1: <laughs> but you ha- I think you have to be that way because you know, unless you happen to be comic famous it's really hard for people to know who you are and you you know and and, or what you do and once they kind of go oh i like those things too let Mm -hmm. me take a look so people like all the things that you just said so if you like jack packs and if you like you know mercenaries and all sorts of act great pulpy adventure then this is the book for you
0: this is it. Your strong yeah. female leads, yeah, yeah. You gotta, gotta work on it. So and I'm actually heading to Pensacon in Pensacola, Florida this weekend. So I got, Ooh. I got to knock the Rust Office, my first show of the year. So I gotta, you know, get ready, sell my nice. stuff and my Amber Adams stuff. <laughs>
1: so, and you're you're going to be in this, uh, South Carolina comic convention as well. Right.
0: In what is that? April? Uh, yes. Uh, um, April 17th, 18th. I can't remember. I yeah. 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 I yeah. I love South Carolina comic con. Yeah. It's good. They're, yeah. It's, well, it's funny. It's a really interesting show because I was invited, uh, <clears throat> Robert Young invited me for the first year that they had it, <clears throat> excuse me. And I went down there. And Greenville, South Carolina is an interesting place because, you know, you have your B&W plant, a lot of wealthy kind of families. And you got to kind of got your South Carolina country folk and everything. So it's an interesting blend of people, dynamics, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, it might part of my family from South Carolina, so I'm not picking on them or anything. I'm just saying that's <laughs> how, how it is. Uh, but when I did the first show, um, you could tell people didn't know how to engage. Like the fan base didn't understand how conventions worked they were like so you you sell this stuff like you're an art like they didn't understand like they didn't understand that the dynamics of somebody like a new york comic Con people know you know what you do like this you go get this from an artist you do that they didn't know that so it was really kind of fun to see that first year and then every year it's like boom second year okay these people get it. third year boom 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 and now it's become this it was a great show from the get-go but now it's like you can see the the education of the fan base understands how they work and it's such a fantastic show, and i i'll tell you something else real quick, so Robert Young is the guy that got me back into Doctor who now I, I i got all I can do is thank him for it because you know I was doing some Doctor Who stuff for years with i d w and i d w had lost the license to um to Titan and everything and I didn't know anybody at Titan you know I'd had no end with them at all or anything and a couple years had gone by I was like well I guess I'm never working on Doctor Who again I guess that's it and uh you know Robert you know that free comic book day and they were putting Doctor Who books out for the free comic book day and Robert wanted me to do a cover for him I was like you know I was like great okay yeah let's do it and everything goes and he says, Well, send me some samples. stuff you done? And he was trying to submit it to Titan. And for whatever reason, it wasn't going through, it wasn't attaching, whatever. And he's trying to explain to them, Like, yeah, I want to hire this guy, Kelly to yeah, do a cover. Like, oh, we know who Kelly is. He's great. Yeah, he's hired. Yeah, go ahead and, go ahead and use him. And it's like, Oh. And then from that point, it just kind of just exploded. I've had this great Roma Titan over the years, and it's just fantastic. So well, that's great. Yeah, he was the one that kind of got me back in with Doctor Who for sure.
1: Um cool well then i'll see you in south carolina in april that'll be fun i will put all this stuff up in the description so they'll have links to the kickstarter and and your website and uh you know your social media and all that stuff everyone can find you chase you around um there <laughs> all that kind of stuff this is exciting man
0: thank you for having me on i mean it's always it's always great to talk comic books and you know. yeah yeah it's almost like being in the shop a little bit, like telling stories and like, oh, you know. <laughs> I'm super
1: fortunate to have conversations with some just really inspired creators. And it makes me want to be better at any craft that I undertake. So I, uh, I say I uh, thank you.
0: Oh man. <laughs> Anything I can do to inspire anybody, you know, you inspire me. I inspire you, I inspire others. It's it's that's how it should be, right?
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, all right, cool. So thanks, man. I appreciate it. And um we will talk soon, I guess in like a month and a half. Yeah. And if you're if you've made it this
0: far, go click on the link to the Kickstarter. Thank you for having yeah. me on.